Hi, I'm Noam Wasserman, Dean of the Sci Sim School of Business at Yeshiva University. I was a longtime professor at Harvard Business School, an entrepreneur, and a venture capitalist. I wrote the bestseller, The Founder's Dilemmas. And I'm Charlie Harari. I've been working with companies for over 10 years. And that book, The Founder's Dilemmas, and the challenges faced by the 10,000 founders in it is the basis of this podcast. We are delving into the issues faced by startups to help you avoid the pitfalls that claim so many good companies. Let's get started. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Founders Dilemmas Podcast. I'm Charlie Rari. Great to be back with you again. Uh, Dean Wasserman with me. As always, today we're going to do something a little special. We're going to actually talk about things that are happening in the news. Dean, welcome, and what do you have for us this week? Hey, you're right, Charlie. We're going to have some fun with tackling something that's very timely, as opposed to our usual timeless focus on the things that, regardless of the century, regardless of uh, what's going on, that uh, would still be applicable. We'll see a bit that this very timely set of developments give us some lenses into the things that we've been talking about throughout all of our episodes, but uh, give us a little bit of an update on uh, what is going on right now. Um, Usually when we do Q&As, the questions come from our listeners. Um, In this case, I got on Friday um, an email from someone in the press asking me a question. And so we'll take that. I doubt that he's listened to the podcast, um, but uh, we'll take it as almost a listener question, a press question. Uh, of all places, it was actually from the uh, the Christian Science Monitor. Uh, he was asking the question. Um, he's writing, I'm writing about Elon Musk and Twitter, and would love to have your insights. If founders have trouble leading their own creation, how well do successful entrepreneurs do when they try to lead other people's companies? Uh-huh. Has that ever happened before? And yeah, so, I, I think everyone's asking this question. You know, Elon Musk is now walking into a uh, an establishment, like you said, that he didn't create, and he's Elon Musking it. So I, I'd love <laughs> to get your yeah. T- t- let's start. Tell, tell us what you think, because I think everyone's got w- watching the game and they're enjoying it. I'm enjoying watching it. But, you know, how's it going to play out? Uh, I guess we have a new verb, a new gerund, <laughs> Elon Musking it, uh, but. Let's tackle each of these two pieces that uh, the reporter was uh, teeing up. First, if founders have trouble leading their own creation, how well do successful entrepreneurs do when they try to lead other people's companies? So as we talked about, it's a very rare founder who can lead his or her company throughout, period. Um, It's an even rarer founder who can step in as a successor CEO elsewhere and succeed. Just the founding skills are very different and often the opposite uh, from later stage skills um, and that's uh, why a, both a change in CEO is often needed as the company grows, and also why it's rare to find someone who can do both well. And so in general, yeah, it's uh, very much uh, how well do they do when they try to lead other companies. Um, in general, it is fraught. It is very much a challenge. However, there's two very interesting things about this particular setting with regards to both Twitter itself and with regards to Elon Musk himself. And so <clears throat> in terms of the reporter's question, has it ever happened before? Yes, it has even happened at Twitter itself. And it has also even happened before with Elon Musk himself. And so for instance, at Twitter, Dick Costolo took over as CEO from founder Evan Williams. Why is that relevant to this? Because Dick had been a four-time founder before coming to Twitter. He'd been a serial entrepreneur, um, his most recent one. And I actually worked closely with him on a case study about his four ventures that he had founded. Um, his fourth one was called FeedBurner. Uh, and it succeeded, sold to Google, it was a nice big exit. And his next gig after that was to take the reins at 
uh, at Twitter under founder Evan Williams as COO. Um, and so that's the first of the very big differences between that situation at the same company. Uh, that was a, dec- a little more than a decade ago and the current one with Elon Musk. So first he, Dick, transitioned in in stages. He came on board as the CEO working under Evan, then he moved up to CEO. Um, and so he had internal relationships, inside knowledge that he could tap. Um, in contrast, Elon is coming to Twitter completely from the outside. And most of the relationships seem to have been poisoned internally. And so those are two of the things where the deck, deck is stacked against him compared to what Dick Costello had. I'm rooting for him to become the next, the next Dick Costello but, and to succeed. Um, but the, the lack of a transition, the negative feelings towards him make it much harder for, for Elon compared to what Dick faced. Um, just one other delicious uh, fact with, uh, with, with Dick. Um, the day before he started as COO, he tweeted something out that I thought was awesome, but I could see if they'd been a public company, it would have completely tanked the stock. Think about it from the perspective of an investor or even as the employees within Twitter, if you were seeing this. So this is the day before he's starting. First full day as Twitter CEO, COO tomorrow. Task number one, undermine CEO, consolidate power. Great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So the problem is that the rest of the world doesn't know about Dick's other uh, love. Um, he was, when he was at Michigan, um, he was a computer science major, but his first love was actually improv comedian. Right. And so when he finished college, he actually first went to Chicago and did improv for a while. And if you don't know that background, you would not understand that this tweet is completely short selling. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, yeah. you would sell short if the, the Dick was the one who took them to IPO. He was the one who right. you know was able to get them to being public status. But if they hadn't been public when Dick was tweeting this, this would have been total short on, on that company. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so then, in terms of Elon himself, um, we can look at Tesla for another situation like this. Lots of people think that he founded it. He did right. not. He, right. He took it over. Yeah, and oh, instead he replaced its founder CEO Martin Eberhardt. Yep. Um, Eberhard had co-founded Tesla with someone named Mark Tarpenning back in 2003 and ran it for four years before Elon essentially uh, moved into the CEO slot, moved Martin out of it and took over as CEO of it. Um, and then has succeeded smashingly at being able to, uh, to lead Tesla to success. And so he stepped into another non-founding CEO position. He stepped into it back with Tesla and now stepping into it at, at Twitter. Um, however, at that point, Tesla was far smaller than Twitter, um, which makes it also a dramatic difference in the dynamics and the challenges, uh, a little bit harder to extrapolate from the smaller Tesla and is coming in. And also there were some relationships that were issues because of his replacing the hallowed founder, uh, but it's very different, uh, not even as close as extreme as what he has with Twitter with the relationships and the employees and how they're looking at him and the hostility that a lot of them are greeting him with right now. Yeah, I guess one of the questions I think that I'm that I'm looking at watching the story is, you know, the difference between someone that comes in almost like as a restructuring CEO and a turnaround guy versus a, as a founder. You know, I almost see Elon Musk in his Tesla role as the you know the 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 money that comes in to support the dreams of the founders, then quickly realizing that they don't have what it takes to really make it, and then taking over the reins in the way he did it. You know, a little bit bullyish, whatever it is, but he he came in and jumped in and sort of drove it to to reality. Versus now, Twitter is an, an, an you know is a going concern. It's an existing entity. It's not profitable, but it's clearly made its mark on 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 the world. 
but it, it seems like it has tons of fat and it's lost its way and it can't really find um, a way to really make itself as profitable as it could be. So I feel like he's coming in in a little bit of a different role now, whereas his initial roles were crazy visionary CEO, uh, the pursuit of excellence, almost Steve Jobby in that way, uh, coming in and demanding a certain you know standard and you know hard work and people just sort of dealing with it because that's Elon Musk and they want to get behind the vision of sending a spaceship uh, that can reland or you know building a car that's completely electric or whatever he's doing. Um, and now it feels like he's he's in a different role and I think everyone's watching see what happened. He, he he seems like he's a turnaround guy. Right, he's showing up and he's firing people. He's doing what turnaround guys do, right? Like they come in, they fire half the staff, and they, they try to you know get get focus and 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 find a way to find revenue and create new revenue lines, etc. And I wonder how this plays out for him. No, that's where you're talking about where we started off with the divergent skills. The founder, as the clean slate, has to do the heavy task of lifting something from scratch and getting it off the ground. But where it's no baggage of the past, you know, you're able to really have a lot more of a clear playing field for yourself versus here where there's a lot of the baggage that has to undo just to get to ground zero. Right. It's also one of the challenges as a success, successor coming in period, diagnosing is this going kind of well and now I just have to be able to scale it or is this a turnaround situation? Right. And it requires very different approaches, very different framing, very different visioning and conveying of that vision to the right people and other things like that that are very different situations. You misdiagnose it and you're going to be in trouble. In this one, I think it's pretty clear that Twitter is a necessary turnaround. But how that founder, who was used to at the other ones that you were just naming, that he founded, doing it from scratch versus undoing it. When I came into one of the boards that uh, they were wanting me to become chairman, when I took a look at the governance landscape there, I decided that I would not be able to turn this around. There was too much baggage on it. And essentially, my condition for it was, we have to wipe the slate clean. Right. You have to give me the starting point that a founder chairman would have. Um, and essentially, I refuse to do it unless uh, we had all of the board members disappear, unless I could be able to create the processes, the composition of the board, the, the structure all from scratch. It was going to be too much of a challenge to be doing the turnaround, and I much preferred uh, the founding clean slate to do it. Right. I wonder, I mean, I wonder just from your perspective what the, the stats are in terms of uh, people that come into these environments and their success rate. We love hearing the stories that turn around. Um, and I guess he's put himself in the middle of, of the eye of the world, so we're watching it. But this happens every day of the week. right? Every day there's some company of some size that needs some restructuring, turnaround. It could be a division. It could be, and the idea to come in with that bravado. right? That's what, In the market today, there is this divergent opinion of that, that sort of that benevolent CEO that comes in and sort of gets everybody excited versus the sort of a hard charging one that comes in and fires half the people and says half the stuff is not real. And, and, and I wonder what the stats look like in terms of someone that walks into these environments. You know, how successful are they, you know, statistically, um, to be able to really turn around a company that exists? We love the story when it happens, but I guess I, I don't have a sense, and maybe you do, as to the sort of the, the probability of it actually happening. So the probability in general, if it really is a turnaround situation, is relatively low. Right. It is uncommon that someone can really take something, a phoenix out of the ashes and be able to you know, have it get, take flight again. Um, that's really tough to be able to, to do that. Um, <clears throat> in terms of success rate, we've bandied back and forth a little bit about even the success rate of startups. That's hard to right. put a finger on. 
um, when it comes to the, the question that you're asking, there it's even tougher to be able to do it because there's so many other outcomes that it could get to if this turnaround CEO comes in, takes it through bankruptcy, chapter 11's it, and then gets it out of bankruptcy. Do you consider that a success? Um, there's a bunch of ways in which you know the, it could be tougher to be able to tell from an outcome perspective um, about what is this person's real goal? Was he was brought in to successfully get them out of chapter 11 or he was success, he was brought in to get them going back to the path that everyone was hoping they would be. Um, and sometimes it takes two CEOs to be changing. Um, this gets back into a little bit of the things around founder CEO succession. There was a venture capitalist, I remember when I was starting to study it very early on, who said that when he changes the CEO, like the founder out, he has to actually hire two CEOs. There's the one who's gonna take over from the founder and get some things done. And then that person is gonna have, is gonna have major problems. And then you have to have the next one who's the real successor, who's gonna be able to get things back onto the yeah. path going forward with it. I haven't studied being able to have the get it through chapter 11 and then be able to regrow it, whether after that point now, um, they need that third CEO um, to be the one who's coming in and really being the one who can power it beyond that. Because I would think that taking it through bankruptcy versus getting growth are two radically different skills, and you're right. going to need to change the person who's leading the charge on each of them. Right. Much like you said earlier, we spoke about this about the founder CEO and then the, the, the maintenance CEO. There's a, there's a difference in terms of what you need. Um, uh, absolutely. And, and yeah, that, I think that's ultimately the question, um, whether or not he has what it takes to get it done. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting is that when you see turnarounds a lot, it's many times when you look at a company that can turn around the business, they, they, they get subsumed into a larger, more successful company. And so this, this, this holding company or this larger company can come in and, 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 and absorb a division, absorb another company because they have a lot of the overhead that works. That the marketing team, the executive team, there's a certain amount of health that the, that the holding company, that the, the conglomerate has. And so when they absorb a new company to turn it around, so to speak, they're really relying on a team. They're relying on a company that people don't, may not see it. But when you see turnarounds that happen, many times the turnarounds are happening if, they, if it goes into a company because it's moving into a healthy environment. And so the, 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 the abnormal or unhealthy environment is really moving into the healthy cells. I think it's much more rare when someone comes into an unhealthy environment that's not working out alone or with one or two people and now has to fight that, you know, they're, they're, in, a, they're in a sick body, if you will. I think that's a tremendous difference in, in, the, in the statistics of actually winning in that turnaround move. Yeah, no, absolutely. So this is very much, as I think everyone knows right now, breaking news almost every day. <laughs> All sorts of developments that are still happening at Twitter, right. uh, being able to watch Elon Musk be able to take his best shot at being able to do it. He is the iconic founder of this generation. The yeah. things that he is able to do at completely changing industries, visioning and things like that. This though might be the ultimate test. Yep. Uh, being able to see how the iconic uh, entrepreneur is able to do with being able to turn around a company that's gotten into the position that, it, that Twitter has gotten itself into. You know, also the interesting, I know we, we, we want to conclude, you know, one of the things that as studying Warren Buffett, if you look at his career, what you find is that at some point, and I, whether he did this deliberate or not, he becomes Warren Buffett, right? At some point, he goes from just a guy named Warren Buffett to Warren Buffett. And he speaks about this in, 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 in researching him, and I spent a lot of time on this because he fascinates me. His, the deal flow and the ability to make change 
changed when he became Warren Buffett. At some point, his success became, especially with, with the Wall Street Journal and more of his popularity, along his trajectory, his advice became sought out after, and so his presence in the room had greater impact. His, his, his advice went further. And it was an intangible that really helped his success. And I wonder if that's the case here, meaning I wonder if Elon Musk is, I don't know how long it'll last for, but I wonder if Elon Musk is really going to be able to play off the back of his own reputation. And so since he's Elon Musk, and since Tesla's and, and SpaceX and all the things that he's already been involved in has such a tremendous impact on the larger community, I wonder if he'll have a little bit more leeway than he should, if you will, because he has the Elon Musk effect. And people will say, well, I don't know what he's doing, but why would he fire half of the company, but he's Elon Musk. And I, and I, or he walks into a boardroom and they're, certain, they're starstruck a little bit. And I wonder if that's part of his ability to be successful now, whether he realizes it or not, is the fact that people just give him the benefit of the doubt that he knows, he knows what he's doing, or in this case, he may not have any idea what he's doing, because it's like you said, it's nothing like the things he's done before. Yeah, no, it's uh, reminding me of uh, another one of the people that I teach about in Founders Dilemmas, uh, Dean Kamen, who was one of the all-time great idea people, inventors, and things like that. Um, he started something called DECA, which was essentially a... Um, a thought, a think tank development thing. They revolutionized some kidney uh, dialysis stuff, uh, creating you know the the pro, the, the the dialysis machine that um, uh, much smaller, much more effective, and things like that than before. Revolutionized several industries. Um, one of the things he was able to do at Deco was have raving employees, like the ones who came to there were Dean cultists. And uh, yes, it's going to turn off other ones who doesn't don't buy into the cult of personality, uh, other things like that. But to have a tight knit, very effusive team that is putting in blood, sweat, and tears, he underpaid them because they were so driven to be part of Dean. You know, there are all sorts of ways that he was able to have leeway with it. Elon seems to be attracting a small core, possibly, of remaining Twitter employees who are the fanatics who want to be able to keep doing stuff there. Um, but whether it's going to be able to be a powerful enough motivator of him leading the charge, the new vision that he has. Uh, let's let's stay in touch with it as things evolve. Yep. So, all right, everybody, thanks so much. You can always email us questions at, um, at questions. I found, is that right? Questions at founderslemmaspodcast.com. Founderslemmaspodcast at gmail.com. You know, right. You know, it's, <laughs> that's right. Um, and, you know, I, I think what we should really do is maybe we should hit up the FTX question. Maybe we should do that next. So for those that are listening, uh, check out next. Uh, t check out the uh, the next podcast. We're going to try to hit up what's going on with FTX. Thanks everybody for joining us. We're looking forward to seeing you next time.